Hey everybody, I'm Maggie. And I'm Amber. And this is Crime Country. Today we're in Ohio. Ohio is the 34th largest state and the seventh most populous with about 11.7 million people, which is more populated than I thought Ohio was. I didn't know they were the seventh most populated state. I didn't know that either, but I mean, I don't hear a lot about Ohio, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was just kind of like farm country, which, sorry, Ohio, um, but I knew a bunch of guys from Ohio that moved to Utah to go to community college for their non-destructive testing degree. Non-destructive testing? Yeah, so it's like explosive testing with non-destructive, and... The Salt Lake Community College offers a degree in that, and apparently it's a field all these guys wanted to go into, but they also wanted to move to Utah for a while to snowboard. So they all just moved to Utah to go to the community college and snowboard and get this degree in non-destructive testing. And we became friends with them when we were like 20, 21, and that was our party house. Um, These like five guys that were living here from Ohio, but all of them talked about like the cornfields and parties and the farms and stuff. So they must have been from smaller town Ohio, but I just kind of thought Ohio wasn't, was more rural. It's not. Interesting. Yeah. So Ohio is nicknamed the Buckeye State from the common tree in Ohio called a Buckeye. The nuts that grow on the tree look like a deer's eye. Oh, Buckeye. It's a Buckeye. Yeah. <laughs> um, before, before Jerry Springer had his TV show, he was the mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio. What? And he considered running for Senate, but he thought his show's negative reputation would affect his chances. That's crazy. I know, right? Weird. Um, off topic, but not really. It's Jerry, Jerry Springer. Um... So, we don't have cable anymore, so we just have, like, streaming services, but we decided this weekend so we could watch the Super Bowl, even though we didn't need to do it because we didn't get any channels anyways, so we pulled out our antenna, and we hooked up the antenna to the TV, and so we did this search for, like, whatever channels we could get, Yeah. and there's so many weirdo channels on the TV, like, it's not like when we were younger and you have your little antenna. And you'd have like, like channel two, get, like, four, five, yeah. thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, it's nothing like that. Like we don't get any of those channels, but we get all of these weirdo channel like channels. And um anyways, my point is that Jerry Springer was on one of the channels and I was like, What? Jerry Springer? <laughs> so Did you watch? I no, I didn't end up <laughs> watching it, but I saw it. But there's a lot of weirdo stuff like there was this one it was like this unicorn game but it's like you know how people watch like live gaming sometimes and like they're a gamer that's going through and he's like oh you do this sweet trick blah 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 this and that yeah which i don't get either but they have like channels like that on the tv and one of them was like this little kid game with like this unicorn skateboarding and then it's like oh, I really liked to ollie over this and then do this. And it, it was freaking weird. I'm like, kids should not TV? be watching these things. This is fucking creepy. So we have a, a digital antenna that I can't make work. I've tried it on multiple TVs for the sake of watching football. Apparently it's just not on regular TV anymore, apparently. But uh, 
I can't make this fucking thing work. But we got a new TV because Spencer stepped on our last one. That ginormous one. Yes, we replaced <laughs> that ginormous TV with another ginormous TV. And this one is a Samsung TV, maybe? But it comes with some channels, some random channels. So maybe it has a built-in digital antenna or something. I'm not sure. It doesn't have the normal channels. It doesn't have, like, the ones we grew up with, you know? Like, yeah. Fox 13 or whatever. But mm -hmm. it has a Deal or No Deal channel. Oh, my ours has that, too. Just, like, Deal, deal or No Deal all day, every day. Um, and then it has, like, Nick Jr., I think. Um, so, like, SpongeBob's on all the time. Or... Uh, hey Arnold. Um, oh, hey Arnold. But then today, so I just like turned on a random kids show for my kid while I was cooking. And it was like a kids show, so I just left it on it and was not paying attention. But then I like noticed, so you know how like PBS will have the cartoon, but then it'll have a little clip of an actual kid like doing something in their own yard? Yeah. I thought that's what I started the show on was just like the part of the kid doing something in their own yard. No, it was just like this show of this parent filming their two kids doing stuff and they have their own show. Like they gave them a coloring page and had both their kids color uh, oh my SpongeBob in a Spider-Man costume or like a ballerina in a superhero mask and then like just described how they colored the pictures and showed them to the camera and then they put up an obstacle course in their backyard and had their kid running obstacles and I was like these people don't get a TV show no like what is this shit what's what, what is this like we pay to be on your TV now yeah, is there's a, a bunch of weirdo stuff on there, and there's, like, tons of channels, but... How, how out of the loop are we? I don't know, because I had no idea that, that was a thing, and then I, I started like, I finding watch, all these like, weirdo CBS stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, I have no idea what this is, but this is fucking weird. And we did all that for nothing, because all we had to do is download the CBS Sports app on the fucking TV, and it was free. Same. <laughs> same, same. Stupid. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I did the same thing. But anyways, it took us like a whole hour to like download and scan for all the channels also. So that was cool. Oh, you know, I'm not even smart enough to get the CBS Sports app. I downloaded the CBS All Access app and I signed up for the one week free trial. So I have to cancel that now. <laughs> oh, good good reminder. I previously did that. So I couldn't get my free trial again. So <laughs> I googled some more and I was like, how the hell can I do this? And then it said CBS Sports and it doesn't have a login and I'm like, okay. And it worked. Uh, I should have done that. Now I have to cancel mine. Um, yeah. Anyways, Jerry Springer <laughs> was mayor of Cincinnati. Huh. Um, if you visit Ohio, you could explore Amish country, a number of art museums, the <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or beautiful outdoor areas like the Ohio River, the Appalachian Mountains, and Lake Erie. Some weird laws in Ohio include it's illegal to get a fish drunk. You, right. Yeah, I know, right? Oh. Um, you can't catch mice without a hunting license. What? Yeah. That what, so you can't catch like a mouse in your house no. without a hunting license? You gotta get your license. It might have only been in like one county, but I'm not sure. Uh, like, you better be out of your mind. If there's a mouse in my house, I'm not going through the process of getting a freaking hunting license for a damn mouse. Yeah, we've always lived by fields and we get fucking mice. That's crazy. Hopefully the chickens help with that. Oh yeah, hopefully. Do chick- I- I don't know. 
I think they might help keep them away. Yeah, maybe they'll just like be like, oh, I don't want to go over there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jeeves is supposed to be a mouser and he's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Canton, Ohio, if you lose your pet tiger, you must notify the authorities within one hour. Oh, well, I feel like that's a pretty good law. Like, I you don't want to just have a tiger rolling around the city. I think a very specific incident happened to make that a law. Oh, God. Like, I think somebody just lost a pet tiger and didn't tell anybody. And they were like, well, I was just trying to find it myself. And then they had to, like, warn the entire county so people could bring their dogs inside. Yikes. In Toledo, Ohio, throwing a snake at anyone is illegal. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I would never, I would be mortified if someone threw a snake at me. <laughs> and in Paulding, a policeman may bite a dog to keep it quiet. Huh, all right. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I'd rather you bite a dog than shoot it. Yeah, I don't think that works, but <laughs> go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that works either. I think they're just going to bite you back, yeah. but, but all right. <laughs> Yeah, um, so that's Ohio, and we're going to tell you some stories that happened in Ohio. Alright, my story is really sad today. Huh. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you the story of Teresa Andrews and Michelle Bika. So in the summer of 2000, Teresa and John Andrews were excitedly expecting the birth of their first child. Teresa was 23 years old. Her and John had been married for four years. They were high school sweethearts. They'd known each other their entire lives. They were super in love and they were ready to start their family. But Teresa had suffered a miscarriage the year before this, so they couldn't have been more excited to finally welcome a baby into their family. They were expecting a son in the beginning of October of 2000. That summer, they were shopping at Walmart in the baby section. Um, they'd called in and ordered a baby bath thing or something in advance. So they were there picking it up. And while they were there, they were looking at all the other baby supplies. And they ran into this other couple that was also expecting their first baby. And this couple was Michelle and Thomas Bika. Uh, they were an older couple. Michelle was 39 and had also suffered a miscarriage previously pretty recently and the two couples chatted about the cost of baby stuff and how much stuff you need when you're having a baby and they kind of just talked and joked and were excited to learn that they actually live just a couple blocks away from each other um and so they were like oh great we're gonna have friends nearby that also have a baby around the same age as us michelle and thomas are having a baby girl um but Teresa and john are having a baby boy and they just really hit it off in this grocery store. It was nice uh, to know. Michelle and Thomas were like, oh, we've seen you guys around a little bit. We live so close. Like, that's so great. Congratulations. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, bye. And that was the okay, extent <laughs> of that interaction. Um, and both of them just went on their way. And then a couple days after that, Michelle Bika, the 39-year-old, had another sonogram and she found out that there had been a mistake. She was actually having a boy and not a girl, as she'd previously been told. Her and Thomas were thrilled to be having a baby at all. They didn't care yeah. the sex. And they're like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, they're like, what a funny surprise. And they told their family and friends about the funny news. Um, apparently, they hadn't bought too much blue stuff that they were concerned about 
Yeah. <laughs> um, the weeks keep passing, and both women are getting closer and closer to their due dates. Then on September 27th, Thomas Bika, the husband of the older woman, got a call from Michelle, and she told him she'd had the baby. She, she, she was like, oh my gosh, I went into labor, I called an ambulance, I gave birth on the way to the hospital. Oh, wow. But, like, you don't even need to come to the hospital because I'm already at home. The hospital had a tuberculosis outbreak. And it was super dangerous. So they just checked out me and the baby. And we were both doing so well. They just sent me home because it was safer. Oh, and my gosh. Thomas was like, oh, holy cow, I'm on my way. <laughs> so he rushes home to meet his new son. They name him Michael Thomas. And are just over the moon to be starting their life as a family. But four blocks away, the Andrews family was having a very different kind of day. So that morning, John Andrews had been at work and he got a call from Teresa around 9 a.m. Um, they'd been trying to sell her Jeep and she told him she got a call from a woman that was interested in buying the Jeep and she was going to go meet up with her. And John was like, okay, be careful. Let me know how it goes. And she laughed and was like, I won't do anything stupid. It'll be fine. Um, about 10.15, he tries calling her back to see how it went and she doesn't answer and he keeps trying to call her throughout the day, and she never answers his calls. So he rushes home from work, and when he gets there, the front door is wide open. Teresa's nowhere to be found. The Jeep's gone, but her purse, her shoes, and her cell phone are all still in the house. Oh, not a good sign. Not at all. So he knows something's very wrong. He hasn't been able, he hasn't heard from her since 9 a.m., um, and he calls the police immediately and lets them know that his wife's gone missing. She's like nine months pregnant. She, she wouldn't just run off. And so the police instantly start looking into it because it is a serious thing. A very pregnant woman is missing, but they, they were like, well, maybe she has depression with pregnancy that happened pretty frequently. Maybe she ran away. Maybe she committed suicide. And oh God. John's like, no, like she was so excited. She wasn't dealing with depression at all. Like that wasn't part of her journey. She wouldn't yeah. have done that. And they were like, and he's like, she wasn't even wearing shoes. And they were like, she could have put on different shoes. And he was like, no, like these are the only shoes that fit her right now because her yeah. feet are so swollen from pregnancy. She would not leave the house without these shoes. And she's not wearing shoes. Something is wrong. And the police took it pretty seriously. And they immediately started a search for this soon-to-be mom. The media also was super interested in it. They got the word out very quickly. There was news articles ran about it. It was on the news. There was people going on search parties. They printed off flyers. She was a cute 23-year-old white woman with dark hair. And every picture, she's just smiling and holding her baby bump. She was so excited to be a mom. And um, it... it took off people were wanting to find this lady so there's flyers up all over the city everybody knows that this lady's missing and the days start to pass and they're not finding her they did find the jeep and it was just like abandoned in some woods behind their house not too far from their house and oh. so everybody was like okay well they didn't just steal the jeep obviously they ditched it so something's wrong yeah Meanwhile, a couple of streets away, Michelle and Thomas are 
enjoying showing off their baby to friends and family. Thomas passed out cigars. They were so happy. Um, but one one of their friends came over with gifts for the new baby. It included a yard sign that said something like, welcome home, baby. You know, like people used to announce in their yards, like, new baby on board yeah. in their front yard. Um, the Bikas were like, no, like, we can't do that. These This missing pregnant woman lives four streets away from us. We we can't put that yeah. outside in our front They're yard. Like, we're not comfortable with that. Like, yeah, we're happy, but... We don't want to rub it in their face that she's still yeah. hasn't been found. So police are searching and searching, but they're not really getting any leads. She wouldn't have run away. She's not turned up at any of the local hospitals. No one's heard from her. Her credit card hasn't been used. And John told them that she had talked to a woman on the phone about buying her Jeep that morning. And he was like, hey, that person had to have had something to do with this. Like, yeah. I know it. And so they were working on getting her phone records to see who had called her. And um, it was six days after her disappearance, the FBI was finally able to get her phone records to see who had talked to her on the phone about her Jeep. And those phone records, those freckers, freckers, <laughs> those freckers, <laughs> those freckers, or phone records, as most people know them, uh. <laughs> led them to Michelle Bika. Yeah. So, Michelle. Now that's why she didn't want to get attention. Oh, shut up, lady. Yeah. So they went to Michelle's home the that morning that they got the information. It was six days after Teresa had gone missing, and they kind of talked to her, but she was evasive. She wouldn't let them in the home. Um, and she told them that she hadn't met with Teresa that morning she hadn't talked to her she went into labor that day and given birth she'd been busy she didn't do this she was a new mom leave her alone and they left but the fbi is like well obviously she talked to her we have the phone records yeah so they called the hospital that she was on her way to in the ambulance when she gave birth and they're like yeah we didn't have a tuberculosis outbreak that's not a thing that's happened here and she hasn't oh. been a patient here. Like, she's not one of our patients. So how did she just ha- have her baby and go home? She didn't. <laughs> um, so they learn all this information. And they're like, fuck, this lady has something to do with Teresa's disappearance. So that evening they go back to her house. But she saw them pulling in the driveway from a window. And... She locked herself in the bathroom and shot herself. And her uh, husband, her detectives and her husband heard the shot. And the de- detectives came, burst into the house and they found her husband like outside the door trying to get it open, crying, screaming. And um, she was dead. What the fudge? Yeah. So they searched the home and they found her baby, baby Michael, alive and well in his crib. She hadn't harmed him at all. But as they searched the home, in the garage, they found a grim discovery. Oh, no. So their garage was like a dirt floor. Like, it was just an extension of their driveway into their garage. And it recently had been re-graveled. And Michelle had insisted on doing it herself, even though she just had a baby, which is totally normal. Oh, yeah. Let me just lug around a bunch of gravel. I just had a baby. That's fine. 
Yeah, it's totally what new moms want to do. I'm totally supposed to be lifting all this stuff and squatting and doing all this stuff. Totally. Yeah, so she had insisted she had the gravel delivered and her husband had offered to help and she insisted, like, no, I'm feeling so good. It'll be good for me to get up and move around and do some stuff myself. I won't push myself too hard. And he was like, okay. But then when police searched the garage, they found a little piece of clothing sticking up out of the gravel in the garage. Oh, gosh. And when they dug it up, they found Teresa's body. So how long had she been missing for? Six days. Six And she went missing the same day Michelle had her baby. That's crazy. Yeah. So they dug up her body and they found she'd been shot in the back and her stomach had been cut open. (gasps) Oh my God, no. It wasn't Michelle's baby. She took her baby and then buried her. Michelle was never pregnant. (sighs) She successfully performed a C-section on this woman after she shot her in the back. Oh my gosh. She shot her and the doctor said that she died instantly. And then she cut the baby out of her and the baby was fine. Somehow, miraculously, the baby lived. That's why it was like a surprise that it was a boy. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Yeah. Found out real late in her pregnancy that it was actually a boy, not a girl. Oh, she found geez. her victim. Yeah. What the f- actual yikes. So Teresa's husband thinks that she actually had another pregnant woman in her sights. And that's why she had said it was a girl before. Uh-huh. But then he uh-huh. thinks after she met them at Walmart, she changed her mind and picked Teresa instead. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's terrible. So the police take the baby um, because they, they caught on a little quicker than you that it wasn't her baby. <laughs> and It caught on much quicker than me, apparently. <laughs> um, she was a chubbier lady, so she mm-hmm. never really looked pregnant, but nobody really questioned it because you don't want to comment on women's bodies you know like I feel like I never look super pregnant unless I posed for it when I was pregnant because I'm a little chubby but so no one ever really questioned that and the police obviously took her husband in for questioning oh yeah quickly yeah he had a dead body in his garage and a baby that wasn't his in his house Um, so was did he know like was the husband on board or was he just oblivious Apparently, he was oblivious. So, him, Thomas and Michelle had met when Thomas was a prison guard and Michelle was in prison. Oh, God. For for receiving stolen goods. So, I don't know. I didn't see anything else about what that was specifically, but it was bad enough that she went to prison for it. And that's how they met. And they'd been together for a few years at this point. They'd been married for like four or five years and trying to have a baby. So it's like, okay, well, obviously he knew she was kind of shady. Yeah. But also receiving stolen goods isn't the worst thing you could be in jail for. Yeah. I mean, there's much worse things for sure. But they met when he was a prison guard and she was a prisoner. So that's a little suspicious. Yeah. Or sus, They're your first as the sign. kids would say. Um, but he said he had no idea. He was like, honestly, she told me she was pregnant. She showed me ultrasounds. She acted pregnant for the last like eight months because she kept saying like, oh, at my last doctor's appointment, they said my due date's actually a little sooner than they said before. And so her due date kept getting a little more close. 
which was weird. And then the baby went from being a girl to a boy and that weird mishap. And she was going to these doctor's appointments and coming home with ultrasounds. And so he just believed her and she was having like these crazy mood swings. And he even like was talking to one of his neighbors, like, how do I support her with these mood swings? Because like she's being crazy and her neighbor probably was like because she was just going nuts thinking about what she was about to do yeah probably because she like literally she knew she wasn't pregnant yeah and she was 39 so she was like thinking she probably wouldn't be able to get pregnant and after her miscarriage they think she just kind of lost it yeah freaking mental break yeah and so her, the neighbor was like that's just part of pregnancy. Women go through mood swings. They're crazy. You got to put up with it. And he was like, okay. And so, All right. Guess I better buckle up. Um, he even took a lie detector test from the, for the police because he was like, I didn't know anything. I promise. And he did lie detector tests for over 12 hours. Oh, my God. I don't know if that was in one sitting hours. or multiple sittings, but 12 hours of lie detector tests. And he passed. Like, he was not lying to them. Well, that's good. So they really believe that he was just as heartbroken about this as everybody else, you know? He lost his Uh wife and the kid he thought he had. Man, what a freaking master manipulator this girl was. So John Andrews had been looking for his wife for six days, and he, he knew something was not right. Yeah. But he had a feeling that it had to do with her being pregnant, So he knew her due date was October 4th and he thought like they were just holding her until she had the baby and that she would be coming home at least. Yeah. And then on October 3rd, the day before his due date or her due date, uh, he got the call that they had found her body. Ugh. But they also found his son alive and well. So at least he has the son. Yeah. Like literally the best and worst news of his life. Like. Yeah. Because. You know, who knows what you're thinking? You're thinking you're either losing one, if not both of them. Right. So they were high school sweethearts. They, you know, had been together forever. They'd been married four years. They were so excited for this next chapter of their life. She's not coming home, but his baby is. So um, the baby got taken to the hospital and fully checked out to make sure it was fine since it was literally cut out of a dead body. And Oh, my God. That's so weird. I know, I should put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode, right? I don't know, all of our episodes are pretty dark. Um, So they had to do a DNA test at the hospital to make sure it actually was his baby and not Michelle's by some weird twist. Yeah. But that night he was confirmed the dad and was able to bring his son home the day before his baby's due date. Oh, man. Yeah. And so the baby was healthy, no complications or anything? Yeah. I mean, Michelle really took care of him. She loved, like, she was acting like it was her own baby. So she, thankfully, he didn't have any health problems at birth. And then she Thank took God, good care yeah. of him. So at least there's that. And she didn't hurt him when she killed herself. Oh. So he got his baby. He, it was all over the news. This had went super media frenzy as soon as she was missing. Yeah. Like Lacey Peterson, you know, pregnant lady goes missing. Cute pregnant white lady goes missing. So... John went on a couple news shows like he interviewed people and just like there was pictures of him holding his tiny little eight pound baby after he got it from the hospital and left without his wife you know that were 
worldwide news story and he got like thousands of cards and letters from strangers just telling them they were sorry for his loss and they were sending him and his baby so much love and prayers he even got a letter from bill clinton who was president at the time and uh just a lot of support so that made him feel better about the world at such a tragic time he couldn't go yeah. back to the house he shared with Teresa, so he he moved in with her parents and they were, you know, coping with each other and raising the baby together, you know, because they lost yeah. a daughter but got a grandson. He lost a wife. Um, but hundreds of people showed up to her funeral and baby, oh, the baby's name, they changed. I skipped Good. that. Good, I, I totally would change it. Obviously, they're not going to keep the name that the crazy murderer gave him. Um, and Michelle had named the baby Michael Thomas. And... Teresa and John, they had been discussing names and they had a few that they both liked that they um, were considering. And they both liked Oscar because they liked Oscar Wilde poems. And then they were also considering Gavin, I think, and like Remington. They were waiting to see the baby's face to decide what the name was going to be. And he ended up naming the baby Oscar Gavin. And he's probably now 20. Wow. Yeah. You couldn't find it. Yeah, twenty. Wow, twenty years ago. I and I, I I couldn't find any updated information from the from John. Um, he did some interviews like shortly after her death. He went on Larry King like seven weeks after the abduction and talked about just like how his baby was such a blessing. They're lucky that he made it out of the entire situation alive. And yeah, no kidding. I, that's just like the thing they're clinging to. But I couldn't find anything more recent. I couldn't find anything about like where he's at now, how they're doing. I mean, the kid's twenty now, so um, I went on Facebook <laughs> to try and find him. Yeah, and I don't. I there's several kids with that name that look like they're about twenty. I'm a total creep, but I hope they're both happy and healthy. I hope John found love again. I hope they have a close relationship and are living their best lives. Yeah, no kidding. So. Do you think that, like, I mean, obviously, the kid's going to know at some point, do you, but how do you think that conversation went when he found out how he was brought into this world? I don't know. So her parents were also in an interview, like, right after, like, when they were leaving the hospital with the baby. John was yeah. holding the baby, and her parents were with him, and they all were obviously heartbroken because they just uh, lost yeah, such a big part of their life, but also, like experiencing so much joy at the same time like they still had a piece of her to hang on to and yeah. her dad even said like yeah someday I'm I'm gonna tell him about his mom and once he's old enough to kind of understand and how much she would have loved him and yeah uh how important that was to him and then his dad was like said that he was John the husband said he was arranging a scrapbook of his mom of Teresa's life so he had oh, like nice all sorts of pictures of her life and stuff to eventually give to the baby and yeah. when he wasn't a baby anymore. And they received like over 5,000 cards and letters from around the world that he was going to put in there too about like just how much love they had for Oscar and Teresa and the whole situation and stuff. So they were kind of planning that eventually, but who knows how old he actually was because kids yeah. are observant. So it's like, oh, yeah. where's my mom? You know, was something they class pretty young. Yeah. So you just kind of got to give them the truth, but 
limit the details. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. That story is horribly depressing. <sighs> yeah. So and... I found another one that's a little less depressing just to like be a palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> it's real short, but it's kind of funny. All right. Okay. Donald Chip Pugue. He goes by Chip. That's his nickname. Donald Chip Pugue had gotten a DUI. But when he failed to show up for his court date, an arrest warrant was issued for him. The Lima County, Lima County, Lima County, I'm sure. Sorry, Ohio. Uh, police department <laughs> shared his mugshot on their Facebook page and they asked the public for their help finding him. They were like, hey, arrest warrant's been issued for this guy. Let us know if you know where he's at. And they got responses, but not from random people. They got a response from Donald himself. Oh my god. He saw the picture that the police had shared, and he was not very happy with them. He sent them a message with a selfie attached. Oh god, like, can you at least send this one out? Jeez. <laughs> and he said, here's a better photo. That one is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so the police shared his mugshot again, next to a screenshot of his message with his selfie. And are like, hey, we appreciate his help, but uh, we'd really like it if he'd just come in and talk to us about these charges. That would be great. Uh, and that post went kind of viral because people <laughs> were like, this is fucking hilarious. Who sends a selfie to the police? And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, he was arrested in Florida because that post went viral in Ohio. Oh, jeez. And... Uh, so this the mugshot that they scared they scared the mugshot that they shared he was smiling like really big but his hair is kind of messy i guess is why he didn't like it and so then he sends them this uh, selfie of him in like sunglasses and like doing duck face or something and he <laughs> <laughs> doing duck face or something not really he has this weird like tiny little gomez <laughs> adams mustache like, he's a black guy with a thin mustache and, like, sunglasses. And I'm like, obviously, they're not going to share a picture of you in sunglasses for a wanted picture dummy. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but uh, just thinks he's a smartass. But his mugshot, he's smiling really big. And so this goes viral and people are talking about it. So he called into a radio show that was talking about him and talked to them about how... He just couldn't believe they did him dirty like that, sharing that ugly picture of him. And, uh, of course, he was smiling his mugshot because he ain't going to have some sad-looking mugshot of him out there. And uh, oh the picture, the charges were only a misdemeanor, so he wasn't going to serve any time. So that's why he was smiling. And then he got arrested in Florida, and he got a new mugshot, and he is not happy-looking. At all in that mugshot. So he lied when he said he was not going to have an unhappy mugshot. Oh, what a turd. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, That's all. Okay. <laughs> not well, that, that was a pretty funny story to lift us up a little bit. Yeah, from the murder. Yeah. I mean, my story isn't as bad as yours or sad. I mean, it's there's murder, so it's sad, but... Like, your story is just gut-wrenching. Yeah, it's just fucking terrible. <laughs> Ohio cool. was hard. Because it was like, there's a lot of serial killers from Ohio. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot. But I didn't do any of them. They were bumming me out. 
So I went with the pregnant lady murder because that's better. Yeah, that's so much better. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize, everyone. Uh, Yeah. So I was trying to find something interesting. And two stories that I went back and forth over were from like the 1930s. So both of mine that I had in mind are super old. And one of them, I'm not going to tell because like there wasn't a ton of details. I was just interested in it because I found the old school newspaper article and I thought that was neat. Yeah, those are always fun to read and they are long. So you think there's going to be a lot of details? There's not. Yeah, because they just kind of like go into way too much. They use big words trying to sound smart or something. And yeah, it's like I had to not- look up a lot of words because I was like, what does this word even mean? I'm like, okay, this is making me feel stupid. I'm not doing this because I have no idea what But it's not even giving you extra information. It's just like they're saying the same thing over and over in like different ways that we don't even understand anymore. So I get what you're saying because I've been there. So that was the story of the gangster queen and just a little summary. Um, Yeah, I love the old one. So I was going to ask if you could give me a summary. (laughs) Yeah. So the gangster queen of 1931. So basically the summer or the summary is the lady's name is Cecil Valore. um, And basically she gets in with this guy and, um, his name, Mr. I think his name's Alfred, but that's besides the point. Yeah. Anyways, so she gets in with this guy and he's like a gangster. And at first she doesn't know that he's so much trouble. So she's like interested in him, but then he's like very threatening and basically is like, you know too much. So now you're going to have to marry me. And so then she's in this abusive relationship with this gangster guy that's killed a couple people that she knows of. Um, and basically she just has to do what he says because she's scared for her life. And yeah. he's like, okay, I'll marry you. I'll do whatever you want. Just don't kill me. And so there's like a few, a handful of people that get murdered. And then finally um, she ends up telling the cops on him, but she ends up in jail for a murder also. in oh, the shit. end. So that's like the cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> okay. But her name was Cecil Galore. What a er, last name. V- Valor. What and a last name. That sounds like an Austin, Austin Powers character. Yeah. Cecil Valore. <laughs> her husband's name was Ross Valore. That's right. Do you think um, that's a real last name? Do you think they changed it to that to sound fancy? Maybe. Valore. It is fancy velour it sounds expensive (laughs) (laughs) it's basically my last Uh, name so that's not the story that i went with i went with the story of anna marie han and this one is pretty interesting it's also from back in the day so she was born in 1906 and she's actually from she's a native german so she was born in germany in 1906 and she lived there for the like most of her well all of her childhood life she married really young she ended up actually having a child with her first husband um when she was like just over 18 i believe and so that was her first husband that she got married to he was a, a viennese doctor <laughs> so 
I mean, he had it well off. I don't know. There wasn't much information about him. I don't know how much older he was than her or what the case was there. Probably at least a little bit since she was only 18 and that's kind of how things worked back then. But yeah. Um, So you, so she married him or is she in Vienna now or is Vienna part of So I don't, I, I don't Vienna's know. Vienna's in Austria, she's, right? She's still in, well, isn't Austria like the still, still German, right? I don't know either. Uh, Let's see. Where is Vienna? So Vienna is in Austria, but Austria's. is Austria Germany? Let's see. Oh, I said it's Austria German. German. <laughs> okay. So I guess Austrian Germany. Are Germany and Austria are Germany? Oh my <laughs> God. Can I read? Uh, Germany and Austria share the same language but with fundamental differences in the way they use it. That doesn't help. But in the physical location. Austria was a German state. I get confused because you hear about Germany and Austria and you hear about like World War II and and they're always mentioned close together in that reference. So I'm just have been very unsure of that for a long time. Uh, But looking at this map... I guess they're different. They're nearby. Oh, yeah. Sorry, everyone who loves history and Europeans. Um. <laughs> I'm just so bad at geography, especially... Well, they're so close and they're... I don't know. Anyways, um, we'll, we'll keep parts of this in so people know how dumb we are, but maybe not all of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I've, I'm very intrigued by World War II. I think it's atrocious what happened. So I yeah. love reading like survivor stories and hearing just about the endurance of the human species and what people survived. And it's so horrible that we could do that to one another. And I think it's important to learn and hear individual people's stories because I think it changes how people feel towards the entire thing and mm-hmm. makes it so it can never happen again. Having yeah. that strong feeling. So I've, I've read a lot of books about survivors. I don't care about war stories so much, but just from reading like survivor stories and um, stuff like that, like I've heard Austria and Germany mentioned so closely together. I wasn't sure if Austria was a part of Germany or not. And it's not. And I apologize for my naivete. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> I'm obviously right there with you. Um, so anyways, she married a Viennese doctor. Had a yes. baby, didn't work out. So, no, it didn't uh, work out, but it was because he passed away. In World um, War One, Because that's around this time, yeah? No, there was no information on how he died, but there wasn't any mention of him being victim of any World War or anything like that. Okay. World um, War One was 1914 and 1918. So, oh, so he died a no. little bit after that because she was born in ni- 1906 and now she's 18, so it's 1920s. So, yeah, almost World War II. That first marriage didn't work out. She has her son, and he, his name is actually Oscar as well. Oh, weird, yeah, huh. super weird. But so she has her son named Oscar shortly after, I think he was like two or three, 
because she ends up immigrating to Cincinnati at the age of 21, but her son stays with her parents <laughs> in Germany. And so she comes out to Cincinnati, Ohio, and she starts her life um, out there. And I guess part of the story was kind of like, because she kind of not necessarily ruined her life, but her it was like mentioned like scandalized <clears throat> her life a little well, bit. She was her a parents were widow. like, go to America. Huh. Her son was probably like a Hitler youth or even straight up Nazi. Oh. Because he was born in 1920. Yeah. 24, 25. World War II was what, 1940s? So he was like a young adult when Hitler came to power and was living in Germany and was probably kind of shitty situation. Well, he wasn't in Germany at that point. Oh, good. Oscar got out. Yeah, so he um, gets taken out of Germany by his mom. So just like, I think it was, I don't even know if it was like a year later. It wasn't much longer. But so Anna goes to Cincinnati. She starts her life. Um, So backing up a little bit, because I didn't give you all the details about Anna. So she was from a large family. She was the youngest of 12 children. Shit. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and actually, this Viennese physician that she claimed was her first husband, apparently there's no records that he was a Viennese doctor by the name that she provided. Oh. So who knows if he was really a doctor or if he was just like some random guy that just fell victim to her. Um, well, that's probably why her parents were like, you ruined your reputation. Because when he died, he didn't leave her with anything. And so yeah. now she's an eight, uh, early 20s, 20-year-old widow with a baby. Yeah. With no money that has to go live with her parents again. So, I don't know. Makes sense. So, it was 1929 when they sent her off to America. And then her son remained in Bavaria. That's where they were with her parents. Um, And so, oddly enough, when she moved to Cincinnati, she met a fellow German immigrant. And this would soon become her next husband. So this is Philip Hahn. So that's Anna Marie Hahn. That's where we get there. Um, So this is her second husband. And she... Cincinnati. um, Sorry to interrupt. Cincinnati was a huge city. It's still a very, very large city. Um, but it was one of the very early ones to be an economic powerhouse in America. Like it was, it's been a huh. big city for a really long time. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't either, but I learned some things today. Yeah, hmm. Cincinnati's a big, big city. Well, good to know. In Ohio, that's a very populated state. So <laughs> Yeah, very populated, we learned today. (laughs) Cincinnati is a big city. Yeah. So um, she meets Philip. They get married in 1930, so super quick after they meet because she just got there in 1929. I don't know exactly when she got there in 1929, but still, like like one year or less for them to get married. Pretty quick. You got to move quick. When it's love, it's love. I guess so. Um, Me and Spencer got married after like six years. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it took us a while too. But oh yeah. So after they got married, they 
or Anna briefly went back to Germany to go get her son, Oscar. And then she brought him to America in Cincinnati with Philip so they could have their life as a family and continue on. And so we have a woodpecker that lives on our front doorstep and we named him Philip. <laughs> That's fun. Philip <laughs> uh, yeah. the woodpecker. He's he's a flicker woodpecker. He has a orange oh. underside on his wings. So when he's flying, you just see a flicker of orange oh. and they're called flickers. And so I call him Philip Flicker. Cute. A little flicker. Yeah, Philip Flicker. So that's my tie to the name Philip. <laughs> well, I don't have any fun ties to the name Philip. Okay, so back back to the story. So now they're a big little, well, not a big little trio. They're a happy little trio family setting up in Cincinnati. So Anna, Philip, and Oscar. I guess what Anna and Philip ended up doing is they had like a couple little bakeries and I guess there's like a German community somewhere in Cincinnati. Yeah. I actually think I saw something about one of the articles on the story I almost did is they were leaving Germantown. So I think that still is in Cincinnati. Okay. To this day. Like it was a more recent article and they were leaving Germantown. Oh, nice. Well, then it's all coming together. Yeah. (laughs) So um, they live in this German community and they ended up having a couple bakeries that they owned and ran um, for can, a while. Can we do that? Um, but Can they we open bakeries together, Amber? Make a bakery together? Yes, can we open some bakeries together? Can we just own some bakeries? Bake? So, I am a terrible baker. Really? I want to be good at baking so bad. Like, I can bake some stuff, but recently I've been trying a few new recipes and my most recent one today, I tried to make these thin, like Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies. And I don't know what the hell I did wrong, but they are not great. Okay, but um, I've had some of your baked goods and you are a good baker, so. Well, at some stuff, I guess I just need to stick to like what I know and not like venture out. Cute little family bakery, like, oh man, okay, so this is totally not anything to do with our podcast. Uh when Spencer and I went on our baby moon before when I was pregnant with Harper and we went on our last like final vacation of not parents, we yeah. went to Oregon and we stayed in Rockaway Beach, Oregon. And it was like right on the beach and it was this tiny little beach town and it wasn't overrun with tourists. It was amazing. And every morning we were there, we went to the tiny little bakery in this tiny, adorable beach town. And it was just so cute and small and every morning they had these like baked goods and Spencer got like seven and then there was like these little breakfast pies so they had like ham and cheese and egg breakfast pies or oh my like, god bacon. that sounds so good yeah and so we would try to get there early enough because they were like selling like hotcakes and so we would go in the morning and we'd get like a cinnamon roll and one a couple of these breakfast pies because they were like little and delicious and flaky. I crave oh. them sometimes. And I'm like, when am I ever going to have that again? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then like other little sweets. But that was like a savory breakfast thing. And then we got mm. some sweets and then we'd go drive up the coast and eat our sweets on stop and look at pretty things. So we just need to find a cute little beach town where we can open a bakery and live our perfect paradise lives together. I'd be down. We can make 
I I've told Aaron for the longest time, like I want to get like I want to get a property, like some sort of land, and I want to have a cute little like coffee shop, but I want to have like a dog park attached, so you could have like little coffee yeah. and pastries or like breakfast burritos or yeah. breakfast pies well, it doesn't have or to be like a fancy bakery we don't need to make wedding cakes it can just be like people can come and get a breakfast sandwich drink their coffee yeah. and bring their dog to play with other doggies yes that would be the dream <sighs> okay i'm in sold so if anybody listening wants to support this dream just send us a bunch of money thanks (laughs) or just like support our podcast so that we can get big enough to make money patreon (laughs) at some point that'd be great (laughs) that'd be cool yeah so anyways germantown ohio 1928 yeah 1930 1930 we're in the midst of prohibition yeah so um apparently not long after they're living their dream living life um i guess anna was into gambling of some sort i don't have a lot of details on it but it just says in parts of the story that she got into gambling so this is gonna be her demise basically because she's gonna um take advantage of people and do all this stuff so she's an addict yeah so she begins with her husband philip han and so she is trying to get life insurance on him for whatever reason and just like a twenty five thousand dollar policy and i did not adjust for inflation pause in 1930. 25,000? Uh-huh. Yes. Um, I think that would be 160,000 today. 387,000. Oh, wow. I was way off. Almost 400 grand. Wow. So. Not, not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Um, so she was trying to get this $25,000 life policy on her husband and he was just like, nah, like, no. Yeah, I don't like, see a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, like, no, we don't need that. It's cool. Um, so finally she gives up, but then Philip starts, like, feeling sick, and he starts becoming ill, and in the midst of that, Anna ends up getting the okay to get, like, a $10,000 policy on him. Okay. So, so that's what she ends up with. Um, so that's about probably if 25 was 387, her $10,000 policy was probably like almost 200,000, maybe 180, I don't know, something like that. How close did I get? 154. Oh, not too bad. But anyway, so he's getting sick. He's not feeling well and she refuses to like take him to the hospital, but Philip's parents are like, no, we're taking him to the hospital. He goes to the hospital, and they don't think anything of it at this point. So you caught a bug. Let's put some bleaches on your skin and bleed you or something. Right. (laughs) So um, then, like, he gets well. He His life is all good. But because of the issues that he was having in his marriage, 
it didn't work out with Anna. So they end up getting divorced and they're no longer together. She wouldn't bring me to the hospital when I thought I was dying. I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, pretty much. Like, she's trying to get life insurance on me. She won't take me to the hospital, and I think I might be dying or I'm severely ill. Mm, Yeah, and she's fighting my parents, like, telling them they can't take me. (laughs) Something's not right here. I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, so thankfully he packed his bags and went on his way um, when he did. Otherwise, I don't know if his fate would be so uh, kosher, I guess you could say. Anna would have had another 10 grand in her pocket. Yeah, definitely. So at this point, the bakery is like not a thing anymore because they're not married. So now Anna decides that with no experience, she's going to begin to offer services as a live-in nurse. Oh, Great. Yeah, to all the elderly men in oh, the German no. community. Um, yeah, so she doesn't have any experience. She's never gone to nursing school. I don't even think she finished high school. Like, she has no experience at all. Yeah, is this just a thing that, like, the time they were like, she's a woman. She knows how to care for people. Yeah. Sort of thing. So, like- uh, um, well, I just... Oh, okay. I'm going to butcher this word. And the first time I read read it, I was like, what in the fuck is that? And then I figured it out quickly, <laughs> quickly after. But it's just like a weird looking word. So I'm probably going to butcher it when I say it. So her first client, septuagenarian. Yeah. So that's a 70-year-old or a person in their 70s. That's good. Septuagenarian. I think it sounded better the first time. Septuagenarian. Septuagenarian, yeah. So that's the word of the week <laughs> this time. Um, so his name is Ernest Coke. Coke K-O-C-H? Coke? I think Coke, because that's how like the Coke brothers spell their name. Coke. But I can't read that and not say Koch. Koch. <laughs> like, I can't. like I literally, like, I can't read an article about the like, Coke brothers without well, being like the Koch brothers. <laughs> but right, I'm pretty so sure it's pronounced Coke. So. Pronounce it how you will. <laughs> um, so anyways, even though he's in his 70s, he seems pretty healthy, like fine. But he ends up accepting the services of this live-in nurse, Anna. And shortly after, his health changed real drastically under her care. And he ends up dying on May 6th of 1932. Damn it, and, Anna. What a bad nurse. Yeah, obviously. But she must have did something right or she must have sweet-talked him because in his will, he left Anna his house in his will. Jesus. What the fuck? Yeah, super, super weird. And apparently in this house that was left to her, the ground floor was occupied by a doctor's office. Um, so obviously that was convenient for Anna. So she visited that pretty frequently to get supplies for her medicine, um, and to keep up on her, her nursing business that she was, she was doing. I don't think how, that's how landlords work. They can't just go in and take what they want. (laughs) Come on, Anna. (laughs) 
Well, she was keeping herself supplied. Yeah, so. it was less regulated in 1932. Yeah, probably, probably not wonderfully, but who knows? <laughs> um, so then, so that's client number one, Ernest Koch. He was in his 70s. She briefly was his nurse, and you know he passes away from being healthy just prior. So kind of weird, but no one bats an eye. They're like, oh, Anna's just so great. She was so sweet in his time, in his late years, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yikes. So no one bats an eye. She continues to offer her nursing business. And then she has her next client. His name is Albert Parker. And again, he dies swiftly, real quickly, under Anna's care. And so... Like... It's so hard to say, like, how quick someone could catch on to that because it's like, do does anybody even know she, like, is doing this? No, and, no one has a clue. That's yeah. how she's just, like, swiftly getting away with it and they think that she's a nurse and these guys are all old. Yeah, and, and it's maybe... not like they run in the same circles. So, like, I mean, I, yeah. don't, I don't know how small is Cincinnati? How big is the circle of these guys? Did they know each other? Do they have the same people that are like, he seemed healthy and then she was his nurse and he died? Hmm. I think she's maybe keeping it distanced enough to not to go undetected. Yeah. Because she easily goes from one to this next guy and she seemingly gets gets away with murder apparently the first time. But from this next guy Apparently, she borrowed some money before he died, but she signed an IOU. And, and she just hoped like, it would go away when he died. Yeah, right. So nothing came of that either. Like, it's just a little thing in the background. So yeah. well, she got a house off the first guy. She didn't get anything off of this guy. Yeah, nothing. I mean, she got, like, I think it was like a couple thousand bucks or something, whatever. Yeah. Um. Anyways, that guy, he's croaked. He's (laughs) (laughs) on to the next. But apparently, the IOU also was nowhere to be found after after he died either. It was a thing, and then once he died, it was just like, whoops. Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, Out of sight, out of mind. How did anybody else even know about it? I mean, he must have told somebody. I mean, maybe back in the day, IOUs had to be signed by like a bank teller or something so there was proof of it yeah maybe because it did say that it was signed um so it was like a weird way of doing a personal loan to someone yeah like a witness i guess so interesting so then the next person that came around was jacob wagner in the article it says quote unquote niece so i don't know i I'm pretty certain that they were not really family, but maybe he got close enough to her to call her his quote unquote niece. <laughs> but she got like 17, 17 grand from this guy, Jacob Wagner. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money. In the 1930s? That's like $320,000. Oh. Yeah, that's a chunk of change. Yeah. So, but then. Lo and behold, he passed away also. So she gets this big chunk of money from him, and then he passes away. What bad luck. A terrible luck. (laughs) Then 
another guy, George Gisselman. It's like Selman with a G in the front. So is it silent? Gelman? Gelman? Uh, uh, oh, but with a P. Well, no, it has a G, like George in the front, and then Selman. But it's all like one word. So Gisselman? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Gesselman? Gesselman? Oh, maybe that. Could be. Oh, I don't know. Anyways, what happened to George? Or what was his first name? Um, George. Yeah. Okay, George. So he died also, but oh, weird. not be not before Anna got fifteen thousand dollars out of him. Oof, another like three hundred grand. Cool. Yeah. Then she another is George racking comes up the around. Dough. What is she doing with all this money? I I don't know, man. She's just living her day to day. Yeah, jeez. Under the radar, I guess. So then George Heist comes around. Um, but he was actually a survivor of her shenanigans. Because he was smart and he grew very suspicious one day after Anna served him a mug of beer because he started feeling awful. And apparently after like the beer was served, there was a couple of flies that supposedly like got in the beer, you know, just like a, a regular house fly. Yeah. Um, but he noticed that these flies like died after they got in the beer. Yeah, that's not normal. Died. So he was like, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drink that. So then he was like, oh, Anna, how about you have some of this beer with me? And she's like, oh, no, no, thank you. I'm okay. Whatever. So she wouldn't drink the beer. These houseflies are dying from sipping it up or whatever they they did. And so he's like, you know, um, I don't think I need your services anymore. Like, you can can go on. Um, Good for him. Yeah, so he made his he made it out with his life, but he's like, all right, see you later. He doesn't inform the police or anything. Well, he had no proof. Yeah, so and they would he's be like, like, "You're a paranoid old man." Yeah, he's just like, all right, I don't need your services. Go ahead and get on out of here. That's fine. And so, she probably before this had been like, "Oh, could I borrow some money?" or Oh, you should change your will to have me in it. And he was like, yeah. no. And then she had a weird situation. suspicious. Yeah. Because these are all happening, like, back to back. But so far, like, we're we're about to be in 1937. So it's been, like, five years. Yeah. Six it's a lot years. of deaths in that amount of time. Yeah. Especially with one common denominator, you know. Yeah. But no one's picked up the... Pieces. Maybe they're getting suspicious at this point, but the nurses, nurse serial killers, get away with it so much longer than others. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. it's horrifying. Yeah, freaking absolutely terrifying. So we're in 1937, and another George, George Obendorfer, Dorfer, Obendorfer was one of her last victims in 1937. So. This one didn't happen in Cincinnati, though. He, They, for whatever reason, lured him to Colorado Springs. Hmm. So I don't know what their their end game was there or why they went to Colorado Springs. Um, there? For what reason, but... They lured him there? Well, 
I say they, but it's because her son was with her, but he's just a young boy. So I don't know if he knows or not, but like he kind of spills the beans later that he, because she tells one story, but then he's like, oh no, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then so he was there so, just doing what his mom said. Yeah. So they end up luring him to Colorado Springs. Um, apparently, Han, Anna said that there was a ranch out there that she wanted to take him to, but this was a non existent ranch. It wasn't a thing. So in Colorado Springs, when they get there, this guy, George Obendofer, ends up dying in his hotel room real soon after they get there. At this point, Anna loots his bank account and pockets $5,000 for for her efforts, the article says. Getting a little more brazen about things, just looting his bank account. Yeah. Apparently, since she was there, the cops were like, hey, um, I guess they didn't have anybody else to notify for him, maybe, because... For some reason or another, they reached out to her for help with, like, the funeral expenses. And she was just like, um, no. Like, that's, uh, that's not my responsibility. Yeah, I'm guessing, like, her and him had different rooms. And then the freaking maid found his dead body. And so they tell the front desk. And the front desk is like, oh, this is his nurse checked into this other room. So they contact her. And she's like... Thanks so much. Yeah. I'll notify his family. And she really just goes and steals all his money. And so then they're like, you didn't give us his family's information. We need funeral expenses. And she's like, (laughs) Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. So then now the police are like, okay, this is suspicious. Like, we're going to, we're going to look into this. So they end up doing an autopsy. Because they are like, what's this bank transfer? Because she took his money, looted him, you know. And during the autopsy, they found arsenic in in his body. And so at this point, Anna's going back to Cincinnati. And she just got out of Dodge after this happened. Left but, his body in Colorado. Said bye. Yeah. But her little spree comes to an end because... That last one, the cops are like, oh, this is sketchy. Yeah, there's it was arsenic much less in his body. And so then they were like, okay, this lady's a nurse, like caring for elderly people. And we need to look into her previous client. And so that's when they get like um, the exhumation of bodies and they figure out that these bodies or these people have all been poisoned one way or another and it wasn't with the same stuff some of it was arsenic and then also croton oil and apparently like croton oil is like a thing that they just sell they just sold but it was fine in small doses like it wouldn't kill anybody but if you gave someone enough of it it obviously was deadly well, they just sold, like, arsenic and cyanide back then, too. Yeah, so they just sell these things, like, off the shelf, you know? But thankfully, they end up looking into this. They get all this stuff. They end up arresting her. And she's back in Ohio at this point. She's got five victims that she has poisoned, and they've died. Of the old men? Yeah, all of these old men. Three Georges. 
Yes, there was uh, two Georges. Ernest, Albert, Jacob, George, and George. What about Philip? He's the one who got away? Philip survived. And, um, oh, you know what? The George Jesselman guy, he was the one who, like, sent her on her way. Oh, yeah. But apparently she had previously been probably poisoning him with other stuff. Or maybe, maybe he just died of natural causes or something else, but he ends up passing away. (laughs) But, so I'm pretty sure it's probably linked to her as well in her victim's profile, so. Um, she probably murdered her first husband, too, really. Yeah, no, she totally probably did. Yeah, like, nobody ever looked into it, but he died mysteriously very young. Who knows how old he was, but he had an 18-year-old wife with a two-year-old, maybe? Yeah, that's mysterious. So she totally killed her first husband too, and was like, "Okay, um, yeah, this this is how it's gonna be." I don't know, but they arrested her on August tenth of nineteen thirty seven, um, and that's in Ohio when they arrest her, and so they charge her with the murder of Jacob Wagner. So Jacob was the one that left her $17,000 to his niece. Yeah, um, so that was probably the easiest one to charge her with because they probably did an autopsy. They could prove there was arsenic or whatever in his system. She wasn't yeah. his niece, so there was forged li- life insurance or will documents and yep, a lot of exactly. money involved. So it was the easiest one to like prove, prove that she was a murderer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Um, she gets arrested, and then she finally has trial. Well, if finally, it doesn't take much. It didn't take long back no. in the day. <laughs> Not long at all. So August 10th, she's arrested in 1937. October 11th, 1937, her trial begins. Wow. Yeah. Not long at all. No, not long at all. Two Super months. Super quick. It. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the jury was 11 women and one man. Wow. Yeah, crazy, right? Um, 37? I was wondering if that was the during World War II, but the U.S. didn't join until the 41. So I was like, maybe uh, the men yeah. were all gone away at war, but nope, not yet in 37. So <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. There was that many women on her jury. Maybe they just tried to do that because she was a woman and they maybe. wanted to do a jury of her peers. Interesting. That's weird. Yeah. Usually these old timey ones, it's like, it was a jury of 12 men. Right. Twelve white men. <laughs> yeah. So um eleven women, one man. And so from the get-go, the prosecutors are like, Anna totally killed this guy out of greed. Um, she wanted his money, she wanted his estate, and she wanted all this stuff. She had this terrible gambling problem, blah blah blah. Then they that's their mode their their like argument. Um and apparently I mean, it seems like it works out just fine because they do that and then they have their questioning. The prosecution ends up resting its case on October 29th. So that's pretty long, 11th through the 29th. Yeah. So they go through that and they even called George Heist, the only survivor. survivor. The beer guy. (laughs) Oh, and they... They should have called her ex-husband. He survived too, but I don't think they did. Yeah, I um, mean, maybe he didn't know anything about it. Maybe she never poisoned him, you know? 
Yeah, it's possible that she didn't. But part of the evidence that they had in the trial were the internal organs of some of her victims. Oh, they brought them up? They showed the jurors? Yeah, they had them in, like, jars. Yeah. Um, I didn't see photos or anything, but that's what they wrote in the article. Yeah, that's disturbing. Yeah, that's super weird. They they must have had him obviously to like prove the poison. Like this is what it looks like. Yeah, they probably took him out to do tests on him during the autopsies and then yeah. just kept him. But yeah, especially back then because it's weird they even let women be on the jury because they thought women were like too sensitive. And then they're showing him a bunch of organs and stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, what an interesting case. All women except for one man. Huh. Because so, they always are like, women are too fragile. And then they're like, look at these organs. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So then they go on to have her son. Defense. Huh? Was this when her son like disagreed with her story? Or was that when she got arrested? Oh, that was when she got arrested. Because she tried to say that she didn't know the George guy and all of that. But then her son was like, no, because we rode a train to Colorado with this guy. And they were like, oh, oh, there you go. He doesn't silly. Yeah. So, okay. Prosecution rested October 29th. So then November 1st, the defense goes on with its presentation. But they don't have much evidence to refute the state's claims. Like, they don't really have much to go off and they arrested their case on november 4th 1937 they probably were just like there's no actual proof she did this we can't prove it she's innocent yeah thank you (laughs) basically there's like this mountain of evidence from the prosecution and nothing from the defense so they're like uh all right then the jury goes and does their thing and it only takes them two hours to return their verdict and they decide that they think she's guilty but they don't have any recommendation for or with no recommendation of mercy so they want her to have the strongest sentence possible basically yeah basically they're like yeah she's guilty and no mercy you don't feel like you need to go merciful on her (laughs) interesting yeah not so no mercy and So because they didn't have a recommendation for mercy, that meant that Anna would definitely be sentenced to death. And the state of Ohio hadn't ever executed a woman. So on November 10th, 1937, she gets brought back to the judge to get her sentencing. And the judge asks Anna if she had anything she wanted to say. And then she's like, yeah, I do. She goes, I'm innocent, your honor. That's all she says. Oh, and convinced so him. <laughs> he's like, he's like, um, all right, well. Um, yeah, nope, you're not. You've been feeling guilty. And... <laughs> so then he's like, okay, I'm about to drop some bombs on you. <laughs> and so he's like, desired by the court and the defendant, blah, blah, blah. You, within 30 days hereof, I'm reading exactly what this article says. I don't use the word hero <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. What? So um, just so you know. So anyways, the county shall convey said defendant to Ohio penitentiary and deliver her to the warden. 
And on the 10th day of March, the warden shall cause a current of electricity sufficient to cause death to pass through the body of said defendant. Mm-hmm. The application of such current to be continued until the defendant is dead. Mm-hmm. Then the judge looks directly into her eyes and says, May God, in his infinite wisdom, have mercy on your soul. But basically, he's just like, nah, bitch, you're going to the electric chair. Like, good luck. You found guilty. We put near to death. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. So that was supposed to be scheduled on March 10th, but that, uh, March 10th of 1938. So in December 1937, she's in the death chamber, you know, just serving her time. In death she's, row. <laughs> yeah. She's um doing her appeals, like whatever, but obviously they're not getting anywhere but so the the state of ohio refuses to block her execution and they're like nah bitch you're gonna die so a year later on tuesday december 6 1938 the governor made his formal statement and refused the to interfere with the defi- the decision of the courts so yeah. basically he's like nope like i'm not stopping this like it is what it is this is your sentence here we go. Because everybody heard she killed more than just the one man. She got tried and sentenced for one murder. But all these people hearing her appeals and stuff were like, no, she killed like a bunch of people. We're good. Yeah. They're like, the list piled up. These are the ones we know of. Yeah. And there's proof you did it. Like, there's strong evidence against you. We're not stopping this. Sorry. Yeah. Interesting. So, finally, on December 6th, 1938, um, that was the the final thing, and then she was scheduled for execution at 8 o'clock the next evening. Wow. So, yeah, it didn't take long. No, for a it. full, like, a year to go through the entire appeals process. Yeah, but today there's people on death row for... 30 years. Thirty, Yeah, 30-plus 30 years, the rest of their lives. Like, it's just... Which is good, because we don't want to put innocent people to death, but also, like... Some of them abuse the court system, and they're very obviously yeah. not innocent. But, man, a year. That's a little too quick, probably. Yes, yeah, super duper quick. So, it's scheduled for 8 o'clock the next evening. And, apparently, the next day, Anna just spent most of her time writing a bunch of letters. And then she gave those to her attorneys. So, apparently, like, the closer it got to her execution... She just like was super duper emotional, and she start it started to sink in. Like, oh fuck, I'm gonna die. Um, they're gonna they're gonna murder me, and it's <laughs> like by electrocution. That's terrifying. Yeah, and she's like, she's only in her twenties. Yeah, like, what year is it? Thirty. She's like thirty. Thirty eight. So she's so, like thirty two. Nineteen oh six. Yeah, she's thirties. Okay, that's like our age. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. You know, that's crazy. Ugh. Um, so she's just super emotional. She's writing all these letters, and she gives those to her attorneys. Then it's finally time to to walk her down to the death chamber for for the deed. So she's freaking out. She's like screaming. She's praying, doing all she can to ask forgiveness and beg them not to do this to her, and. Apparently, even the warden kind of, like, got choked up and was like, I'm sorry, but we can't help it. Yeah, like, this is happening. Why are you making it hard on all of us? Yeah, because (laughs) she was, like, 
crying and begging for her life. And so I guess the warden even got a little bit emotional and may have shed some tears, but was basically just like, I'm real sorry, but we can't help this. Like nothing you can say or do at this moment in time is going to bring back your life. Like we've got to go. Yeah. Like you murdered these people and we all know it, but we don't want to put a lady to death. But we yeah. have to at this point because you did it. Yeah, right. guilty. So because of the distress that she was portraying, the prison officials let the clock click down to the very last moment. And then they were like thinking maybe the judge will call or maybe the governor will call it off. Who knows? So um, that didn't happen. Ugh. It didn't get called off. So finally, here we are. Um, eight o'clock the next day at the time, and she's getting strapped in, doing her thing. Um, she is pronounced dead at eight thirteen p.m. by electrocution. Hmm. So the first woman to be put to death in Ohio by electrocution. Yeah, interesting. And I think the first woman to just be put to death in general. So yeah, that's crazy, right? And so those letters that she was writing apparently those were letters basically confessing to all the things so even yeah. though she said that she was innocent like the day when she was getting executed or when she was getting her sentencing she wrote down um, all of her details hmm. yeah there was the letters and she basically gives all the details and confesses to to all the things so then her son he ended up he was 12 12 at this time he gets placed with a foster family um in the midwest and that is all that we know of that well at least he wasn't in germany in the 1940s oh but he did live a normal life and he fought in the navy or for the navy during world war ii good he was on the right side in world war ii at least there's that so (laughs) that's nice but that was kind of a crazy story. There was like a some details that I probably left out, but it was pretty interesting. I was wondering they, about the uh, the jury said they didn't recommend mercy. Is that still a thing? Do they ask the jury for their opinion on sentencing anymore? I don't think so. I feel like I still hear it in cases sometimes, but I don't think it. Like in the case that I was a juror for. They didn't even tell us, like, what the sentencing would be if we found the person guilty. They just wanted us to find him innocent or guilty. Yeah. And then they didn't tell us anything about, like, what the sentencing would be. And I think there was two charges against him. And I think if he got the big one, it was, like, a felony. Yeah. But the other one was not. And so I think they wanted to get, like, the felony charges against him. The prosecution did. Because I think he probably had other prior charges, but he was found innocent on that one. But it was just interesting that they were going for such a harsh charge. Like, they were going yeah. for, like, um, assault with a... Or aggravated assault, which was is assault with a deadly weapon. And he definitely did not have a weapon. Yeah. Or assault anyone. Um, but assault without a deadly weapon is a much lesser charge so it was just interesting they made a very distinguished charge of with or aggravated assault yeah because i think it was a harsher thing but they didn't tell us anything about sentencing they didn't tell us it was a harsher sentence they didn't give us an option it was either 
he did aggravated assault or he did not. Yeah. Was our only say in it. So that's interesting. I wonder if. Yeah, I think, I don't think they asked that. I mean, I did jury duty like years before you, but I don't remember them like giving us an option. It was just like, was it first degree murder or second degree murder? Like, and you have no what, say in the sentencing. Yeah, you're like, just is he guilty or beyond a reasonable doubt or not? And yeah. then she's like, well, we can't find him guilty of this beyond a reasonable doubt, but we could find him guilty of this or whatever. And then sentencing is up to the judge. Like, yeah, interesting. I so I, I don't know, but that was weird that they would like suggest no mercy because I don't. That's a good question. Like, I don't know if that plays into anything today or. If that was just like an old thing and then they were like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't let the jurors be in charge of that. I don't yeah, know. Maybe people who know the law should be. Yeah. But people that know the law and uh, that have maybe like heard some things before or know these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Decision. That was really interesting. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. And like I said, there's like more details that I didn't include. but. Um, yeah, she was the first woman that was executed by electrocution in Ohio. <laughs> um, an old married couple is sitting in church together. The woman turns to the husband and says, I've just let out a really long, silent fart. What should I do? And her husband responded, replace the battery in your hearing aid. Oh my god. Uh... <laughs> so... <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Next week, we are in we Indiana. Are in Indiana. Indiana. Uh, so, yeah, if you listen this week before next Monday and have Indiana suggestions, let us know. Uh, or we'll probably do the whole country again at some point. So if you have any suggestions for us on future states, let us know your cases. We'd be happy to look into them. And... Thanks for listening. We love you guys. All of our sources are listed in our show notes. If you have any questions, shoot us an email or message. It's Crime Country Pod or Crime Country on social media and Crime Country Pod at gmail.com for email. We'd love to hear what you think. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.